So we'll start streaming here. Dun, 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 dun. What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining us for the Wholehearted Podcast, Whole Heart Education, where we give you the tools you need to build healthy relationships. Now, in honor of Valentine's Day, today we are focusing all on romantic relationships. Yay! Yay. <laughs> We're going to work on those. <laughs> <laughs> you got something to say, Allie? You got a line here? I do. <laughs> Pat Benatar said it best. Oh, this is live. I'm sorry. This is live. Pat Benatar did say it best. Love is like a battlefield, but does it have to be? It doesn't. It doesn't. No. No. Okay, like in all seriousness, if your relationship feels like a cage fight and it's not a walk in a park like you want it to be, then this podcast is for you. Yes, yes. So today we are going to jump right in because we have a ton of stuff that we want to cover. Now, uh, first, we are going to hit on just a few of uh, what I call the misconceptions about relationships. So, Ali, I'll ask you first. Uh, just thinking about how relationships, romantic relationships are portrayed in movies and music and TV and books and magazines and, I mean, all the stuff. Mm -hmm. What do you think are some of the, the common misconceptions? What are things that people, uh, you know, maybe get their hopes up thinking it's going to be this way or, you know, think it's going to be really bad in this way? Uh, what stands out to you? That's a really good question. <laughs> Um, my mind went to first Hallmark movies. Um, oh, man. You know, <laughs> because everything like works out in the end and maybe there's like a little problem in the middle, but there's always like a happy, happy ending and everything works out and there's no issues Yeah, from yeah. then for the rest of their lives. And I also, in Hallmark movies, I've noticed a, a trend in like the people in them. I don't know that there's actually like more than one Hallmark movie. I think it's just they keep making the same movie over and over <laughs> and just calling it something different. And then this one is like the Halloween version. Yes. This is the Christmas version. And this is Valentine's. And then they just replay those three all year long. Just with different actors, but it's the same. It's the same thing. But so. like, I think maybe we take some of those things that we see in movies and TV and then like kind of compare it to our own lives that are like actual real lives and think like, well, why can't, you know, my relationships work out like that and we don't ever have any problems and, you know, everything just has a happy ending. But I think relationships take a lot of work. A little bit. A lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So f I think stuff that I see a lot is, I mean, I don't know if this is, life imitating art or vice versa. But I think it probably has a lot more to do with people seeing it and then people doing it. But the way that people get into relationships is weird. Uh, it's like you run into a strange person that you've never met before and then you start dating them. 
Yeah. Like that's that to me seems weird. I mean, according to our videos this month, it's unhealthy. We talked about that. But it's weird, right? It is unhealthy. But even <laughs> like, I mean, I'm 29 now. But even when I was younger, people still did that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So and it's I, not anything new. I don't know. I, like I said, I don't know if this is something where, like, we've grown up seeing that in mm-hmm. movies and television so much that people think that that's normal. Uh, or if people were doing that and it started, you know, starting a trend in movies and all that stuff. Uh, But to me, that just seems like a very strange thing to do. And then on top of that, not just the fact that they start dating some random stranger, but the fact that it, like you said, does work out. Like in the end, that they have this, you know, really great relationship and uh, another misconception most of the time when you have arguments, mm-hmm. you know, you may you may experience this down the line. Most of the time when you have arguments, it doesn't start raining all of a sudden. <laughs> like, I've noticed that. I've been waiting <laughs> for it. And I was like, I feel like this, this cue, no. Uh, and it just didn't happen. So you're saying you don't go and look out the window into the rain. No. You have arguments. Yeah. And, like, in the movies, when you do have those arguments, like, somebody runs away. They, like, just... Nobody has cars. They just, like, run off into the distance while it's raining. And you don't have that option when you live together. It's like, oh. All right. I suppose we should be mature about this and discuss our issues. Uh, but that's another weird thing. Is it's, it's more an immaturity, I guess. But then again, I don't know which is influencing which. Because in the movies, these are also, like, adults. These are like 20, 30-year-old people. Usually the girl is like in her 20s, 30s. The guy's like late 40s. That's just how Hollywood works because they're creepy. But <laughs> but they get into this you know, relationship and then they argue and then it rains. And then they realize that they really do love each other mm-hmm. because, you know, I thought about you after you left. And that's what love is. So speechless. So these are some interesting misconceptions. Now, I personally, uh, coming back to real life, okay, so personally, I have been involved in two romantic relationships. Now, I, I have to categorize this. We were like church dating as 12-year-olds. That was the first one. Now, outside of that, was my wife. And we had an actual real relationship that we started when we were kids and then went all the way till today. Not like it ended today. Oh, good. Good. I hope. But (laughs) (laughs) she's watching right now. She's texting. No, uh, but that's not normal, obviously. We know most relationships aren't going to last. Here's the thing, though. If you are having, like, me two relationships in your lifetime. That means that 50% of your relationships won't work. Yeah. Math. That's if you've had two. See, I didn't I didn't throw the, the hardball math questions at you this time. But Allie, what is the ratio? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but seriously, like at two just two relationships, that means you're shooting 50%. Yeah. 
And so then every relationship that you have after it, the the statistics go way down. And it's like 2%, 2% of high school relationships last and actually end up getting married. And then of all the people that you potentially date as an adult, again, you're just talking about like a fraction of all of these relationships that may actually end up working out. And yet, with that in mind, as people, we still date. We still put ourselves out there, even though we know going into it that the numbers are stacked against us. Uh, We continue to have this tendency towards love in the face of adversity. So why do you think that is? I was going to ask you the same thing. (laughs) I mean relationships are headed in one of two directions. Yeah. Either they're going to stay together or they're not. So, I mean, after the first time a relationship doesn't work out, I don't think it's realistic to say, well, I'm never going to be in a relationship again. And and I'm talking about dating relationships. This isn't yeah. like your, <laughs> your friendships. Hopefully you have more than 2% that work out. But um, <laughs> yes, romantic relationship February. Yeah, but, yeah. But I, I don't think it's realistic to then just you know say I'm never going to date again and and move on. Mm-hmm. So so what I see a lot of times happening, uh, especially like when I go and I, I am speaking in schools a lot, and I get to talk to teenagers, I get to talk even like college age yeah. uh, students, young adults, and um, it's very interesting because. It's like there's this dual mentality going on where the attraction seems more towards the relationship than the concept of a relationship actually working out. In their mind, they're like, yeah, I know it's not going to work, but I just really want to be dating somebody. Mm -hmm. I just really want to be with someone, even if it's not going to work. Um, And again, that we don't realize the unhealthy mentality behind it where as you are um as you're experiencing this you are developing patterns you're building habits in your brain and experience dictates expectations so the more that this pattern plays itself out the more you just believe that that's true and so rather than than having an idea in your head of like, this might be the one, or, you know, maybe I I will marry this person. It's, yeah, I'm, yeah, we're probably not going to get married, but I just don't want to be alone. Which I think is becoming more and more common too, especially with COVID, mm. you know? Can we say that? I don't know oh, if we can say the word. You're right, we got <laughs> shunned for using the word COVID. Yeah, we did. Nathan. Nathan, thank you for watching. Nathan. Thanks for jumping in. Say hi in the comments below. Nathan's my and friend. if you guys do have questions or comments on anything that we're talking about today, please uh, hit us in the chat. And we want to try and keep an eye on it as we're going through. We would love to hear from you guys, get your perspective. And if, again, you have questions, uh, let us know and we will tackle some of those as well. So as we're, as we're moving forward in the conversation, though, uh, with the all this stuff in mind, all these misconceptions, the numbers stacked against us, mm-hmm. um, there are three basic stages 
for every relationship. There's a before, a during, and an after. Now, what I would what I would suggest is that if you can do the hard work in those first two stages, if you can focus in the before and you can stay committed in the after, or sorry, in the during, then there doesn't necessarily have, have to, to be, be an after. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we're gonna we're gonna break a relationship down for you guys and look at those three stages: the before, the during, and the after. And the first thing that I want to hit in the before, all right, there are some issues. Now, when you get into a relationship, you have two people in here, and both of these people are bringing in their own experiences, their own histories, their own baggage, their own expectations, you know, all the stuff that I as an individual am bringing into this. And then there's another person that has an equal amount that they're also bringing in. And... This is where a lot of people mess up before the relationship even starts because we have to we have to recognize there are me issues that we need to take care of that we need to address before we start to build a relationship and they become us issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for instance, um, in this week's video, uh, we talked about some of the insecurities that uh, girls have that women have in relationships and how that is rooted in a lot of different things. It could be coming from a hundred other places and doesn't necessarily have anything to do with this person they're in a relationship with now, but because they're carrying all of that into the relationship, then that gets put on the other person and they either live up to that broken standard that was set in the past or they, they do everything they can. They're doing like a really good job. But for a lot of people that have those past hurts, they have a really hard time trusting it. You had a really good example in that video too. Um, you said, like in a girl's mind, he's probably going to cheat on me. He's probably going to leave me and find someone better. You said that, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I said it. <laughs> um, but I really liked that because it's really not on the guy at all. He could have completely innocent motives, but Mm -hmm. it's on her insecurities that I'm not good enough and he's probably gonna leave me. And so that's kind of the insecurities that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And that's just one example of this type of stuff. It's the me issues that I'm bringing to the table that I may be aware of or I may not be aware of, but they have a direct impact on this relationship that we're trying to build now. Uh, So one thing that I tell my students in class is uh, in order to build a healthy relationship, it requires two healthy people. Mm -hmm. Two healthy people make a healthy relationship. And that's a big problem. Uh, When I'm speaking to teenagers, they they hear that and they're like, well, crap. (laughs) (laughs) Because, again, I'm talking to teenagers in high school in the United States not exactly a demographic known for mental and emotional health. So they're already coming with a ton of baggage, a ton of issues, not even related to romantic relationships. They're just carrying all this stuff all the time, constantly. And so they're like, well, does that mean that I just can never have a relationship then? Uh, And that was actually one question that came up when we were like prepping for today. It was like, does that mean if I have issues that I can just never 
never be in a relationship. Well, and we're always going to have issues as people. That's never going to go away. So what's the line between I have these issues, but it's still, you know, I'm okay to go into a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So there are, there are different levels that we want to address here. Um, now, there are certain me issues that, like you said, they are going to be recurring. They're, they're going to kind of rear their head throughout your life. And you're just constantly addressing those and growing through those things. And then there are other me issues that are extremely toxic in these relationships, but can be handled, can be mitigated on my own Mm -hmm. before I enter into a relationship. So for instance, uh, if you have been in a bunch of unhealthy relationships in the past and you recognize that your expectations are very low, that your self-esteem is broken, and that um, that you're expecting to get hurt in this relationship. It's not going to be some other person coming in and just being a really great guy that all of a sudden now they, they make things look better. That goes back to the misconceptions. We see that yeah. thing happen in movies a lot where – they just find this really great person and shows them how to love again. That's not going to happen most of the time. It comes through establishing your your own personal identity. Mm-hmm. So those are the me issues that we can resolve of just really knowing, one, who I am, understanding your identity, your value, your worth, knowing where you're going. I have a plan, a purpose, and a destiny for my life, and I am making consistent healthy choices moving in that direction and when you have that consistency then you can know like i am working from a healthy mentality does that mean that i am perfect of course not we're never going to be never going to be perfect (laughs) and you don't have to wait until you're perfect to get into a romantic relationship but you do want to have consistency you want to be able to consistently say yeah, I mess up every once in a while. Yeah, I've done a few dumb things. But for the most part, mm-hmm. the trend is moving that way. And I am consistently moving forward uh, in these other areas. That lets me know that maybe I am ready for this type of romantic relationship. That's really good. That's a really good point. Well, thanks, Allie. That was good. <laughs> Just the consistency part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you want to talk about similarities? Yeah, let's talk about some. And we actually went over this in a video series. Yeah. Um, It was December. 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 So we went through the steps to having. Building a healthy relationship. Yeah, building a relationship, basically. So um, we had similarities. And these aren't similarities. And I love your quote on this, so I'm going to use it. But um, you have like a really hard day and you come home to your spouse and you say, you know, I lost my job and the bills are stacking up but at least we both share a love of Beyonce. Those are not the similarities that we're talking about. We're talking about ideals, values, goals, and belief. Those are your core kind of identity almost. Um, And that's the kind of similarities that you want to share with someone. So, I mean, if you can have different values, I think, in my opinion, in a relationship. For instance, give us an example. No, you give us an example. Well, you made the positive (sighs) statement, so you got to – Shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would say, I don't know, Jared, really help me out here. Values. 
So let's uh, go with something different. Let's go with like your your goals. Okay. Um, someone might be very family oriented, and their goal might want to be like a, a really really big family. Mm-hmm. And and someone else's goal might be I really want to build up my career. Mm. Um, and I think if you have a team that comes together with those goals, I think maybe they're different, but you could compromise in in the long run, right? Well, I don't know. Or am I making myself just sound really stupid on this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) No. uh, The the key word that you had there was compromise, right? And you have to know what you're willing to compromise on and what you're not willing to compromise on. So there are are non-negotiables. And that's why, like, there are some goals that I have in life where, like, with my rock band, uh, I have a goal heavily based on growing up watching the Bill and Ted movies. But I have a goal that we will be the first rock band to play a concert on the moon and, you know, televise it around the whole world. So so that's one of my goals. Now, am I willing to compromise that goal? No. No, <laughs> no of course. I mean, like, it'd be really cool. I, I think it would be fun. And the technology is getting there where it could happen someday. And my band just has to be, you know, really cool to be able to do that and have a ton of money. But that is not the type of goal that I'm going to pursue over my wife, over our family, over caring for them, providing for them. So that's something that, yeah, it's a funny, it's a goofy kind of goal, but it is not the type of goal that is going to uh, derail me from taking care of them. Now, there are other goals, like for us, uh, being able to take care of our kids and provide a home for them. Uh, That means that we both have to have jobs. We both have to work. And so there are days where I'm working more Mm -hmm. at home, uh, and especially like we've had just a couple of snow days this year. (laughs) <laughs> a lot of snow days yeah. here this well, year. Well, so the local school district, since they went remote, we don't get real snow days anymore uh, unless you have rolling blackouts and power shortages in the nation and then people can't log in. That's the only – they only gave us two days, I think, where they cut school and the rest of them, everybody had to stay home but then work on your your iPad all day. So that was lame. But uh, anyways, with that, there are those days where, you know, my whole family's home and I would love to be just, you know, hanging out with them and watching a movie and playing games. Uh, My oldest son, he loves to play Catan. My wife loves to play Catan and, you know, just doing that kind of stuff with the family. But right now I have a lot of work I got to get done and... I, let me let me do this, and so that's that is a compromise that I have to to make at times, uh, where my heart is. I would much rather be doing fun stuff with my family, but I have to be doing this. So, the thing is, I'm not actually compromising my family here. I'm just compromising our short term mm-hmm. happiness for our long term security. Yeah, where. You know, we could have fun right now, and I could just take off and, you know, who who cares about work, whatever. And then, you know, a year from now, I don't have a job anymore. And we can't play Catan. 
So, <laughs> uh, so I'm not compromising the really important thing, which is my family. It seems like it in the moment, but what's actually happening is I'm just compromising so a little bit of temporary happiness for something that is long-term more valuable. And then in overall, you and Alora still share that same goal, mm-hmm. that same value of yeah. protecting and providing for your family. Absolutely. And that's that's where that's uh, the similarities. Those are the ones about. that they have to be cohesive. Um, there are there are things like again coming back to my family. Uh, I am in a rock band. I am a weird rock singer wear a mask and all that junk uh and we play loud sometimes pretty heavy music my wife likes andre bocelli and she likes calvin harris and a bunch of other people that i don't know who they are and i don't consider them to be music but (laughs) (laughs) we don't have to be 100 percent the same on those yeah even though Obviously, music for me is a huge part of my life. It's really important. I've been doing music since I was in junior high, started my first band. So obviously, it's a big deal for me. But I don't need her to like the same music or even like all the songs that I write. I do need her to have the same beliefs that we are instilling in our kids, uh, that we are training them up in the same way. You know, I if I am... Training my kids, for instance, this is hypothetical. This is not real. Uh, so if I was training my kids up and we're, like, we're going to be really like health conscious and only eat like vegan food. Do they call it food? I don't know what vegans call the things they eat. But <laughs> vegan things. And so we're doing that. And well, that's a really big deal for me. But my wife happens to be a cannibal. Are you sure you want to use cannibal? I do. I do want to use cannibal here. Okay. If she's eating humans, okay. <laughs> we won't be able to to cross that bridge. That's not really a compromise because some core things here, like I I don't think you should eat anything with a face or whatever, and you you eat people. We're not going to be able to to compromise enough. Like, what about just the little people? No, no, honey, <laughs> we can't do that. Uh, there's no level of compromising here that is going to allow our relationship to move forward. Uh, so obviously, that's an extreme example. <laughs> is it? I don't know. No. <laughs> I think it'll. I think it'll stick with them though. Yeah, that you'll remember. So uh, that's the thing, though. Is you have to in if you have a very deep strong belief you want to make sure that the person you are partnering your life with carries those same beliefs not in everything not in the music not in the superficial stuff but in the big ones yeah. the ones that matter so ideals values goals beliefs now this is that's one of the things that we want to make sure we're shoring up the relationship before it's even begun i can I can find out before we start, excuse me, before we start dating if this person has those things in common with me. I mean, you, you typically could find the cannibal before you say I do, right? Or so, 
you can you can find those things before you start that romantic relationship, before you become too emotionally invested. Because once that happens, then we get cloudy. And then we're not making uh, decisions that are actually future-oriented, that make sense for me, for you long-term. But it just all feels good in the moment, and I kind of get lost in it. So before we get to the those types of fluttery emotions that carry us away, we can just really figure out, is this somebody that I have those important similarities with? Can I actually build a life together with them? So that's that's the the second thing that we can establish before. Can I add on to that? I guess. <laughs> just to interject my two cents. And that we find that out because we're friends first. And we, t- again, talked about this in December where we had these boxes and friendship is like the foundation. So you don't want to just meet someone and then just start dating them. Um, I mean, statistically, becoming friends first and getting to know this person as a friend, like you figure out all of this stuff because you know about your friends and, yeah. you know. And so then when you have that foundation, then you can start building towards that. Yeah. So just a little. And I've, I've actually known a lot of people that are dating somebody that they would not even consider their friend. Really? And they will, they will stay in a re- relationship with that person, and they don't get along at all. They're constantly fighting. And you, people around them are like, dude, why are you guys together? You hate each other. And they're like, no, no, we love each other, <laughs> but... I just don't like being around them and they just annoy me all the time. You're like, but see that's that's not that's not love is you don't love them. You you despise them is you don't know words. When we just had a question come in too, how long should it take to get to know someone before beginning a romantic relationship? Mm. So how long should I be friends with someone before thinking, yeah, I think I'm ready to date? <laughs> and Nathan said what I'm taking away from today is that vegans and cannibals don't work together. That's right, Nathan. Look at that. You know, we're changing lives. <laughs> You're welcome, Nathan. <laughs> so, uh, so how long does it take? Excellent question. Uh, and there is a study you can go to. Uh, I believe it's out of the University of Kansas. I, I'm. It's either Kentucky or Kansas. Starts with a K. Uh, but. This study, I believe, came out in 2018, and it was 200 hours, 200 hours of face-to-face communication. Now, the interesting thing was that it could be, it it was like very specific types of time that you're spending together, not coworkers, not classmates doing a project together, but actually do like intentionally spending recreational time, free time together, having fun. He, I thought this was interesting, and, and it's going to be really good news for some of you gamers, but even video, like playing video games together, in the room together, sitting side by side, playing Mario Kart, counts in these 200 hours. And when you think about it, it totally makes sense. Because, you know, if you go out on a date with somebody, they can kind of present themselves a certain way Mm -hmm. if you are working in a professional relationship with somebody they're probably going to carry themselves a certain way at work hopefully yeah uh generally respectful and you know trying to just get the project done you do those things in those types of situations when you get somebody down 
in Mario Kart, and they've lost like eight races in a row, you see the real them. You see me when I fly off of Rainbow Bridge the hundredth time. <laughs> so, so uh, like the first time I read that, I was like, "Really, video games?" And I was like, "It makes sense, though." I doesn't mean, yeah, it? no, that makes sense. You you see the real deal. So that's good. Yeah, so two hundred hours, and uh, and that's before you begin a romantic relationship. Two hundred hours. Two hundred hours. That's what that's what I recommend. That's what we're recommending is to invest that time on the front end to get to know them first, build that friendship, find those similarities. And so um, now I want to kind of go through this list. So I, I was going to talk about, again, shoring up the relationship before it's even begun. So think about like back in the old days when they would have these um, seaside cities that especially like when you go up north in the Mediterranean stuff, it gets real choppy weather up there sometimes. Uh, and a lot of times they would build like this fortress wall around to that's just facing the, the sea because they wanted to kind of protect themselves uh, from, you know, hurricanes and all that. So that's kind of what we're doing. Before we build the city, our relationship, mm-hmm. let's build up that protective wall first and what are the hurricanes? What are the storms that come down, come hit our relationship? Uh, and what are the things that take out relationships? So I found a study. Uh, it's called Reasons for Divorce and Recollections of Premarital Intervention, Implications for Improving Relationship Education. So you can Google that one if you really want to. Uh, but uh, basically, it was just a study uh, where they were finding out the reasons why couples divorce. And if you know what the common reasons for a divorce are, then you can actually prepare and prevent ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can plan ahead and find somebody that is not going to be like trending in that direction. Trending. So, trending. Yeah, we're so trendy. I think when people <laughs> think of this list, um, I think money and finances are what's drilled into our minds mm-hmm. as as the number one. But it looks like that's fifty percent. That's not even close yeah. to the number one. See that? Yeah, that's fifty five percent is financial problems, which we've covered. We talked a little bit about that. And the interesting thing is with the financial problems, that doesn't always mean we don't have money. It means that we don't agree on how we're spending money. That could mean one person is going on Amazon every day and spending the whole budget on hair products. It's a friend, not me. I was going to say, it's not me. (laughs) But another one, you know, wants to be so frugal and not spend anything, and that could be a huge conflict. It doesn't mean they don't have money. It means, yeah, (laughs) you know? See, and uh, what... When we were married, uh, I think it was probably, what, four years into our marriage, uh, we took this financial class called Financial Peace University uh, by Dave Ramsey. And it helped us make so much sense of, like, we didn't really get into fights about money because we really didn't have a whole lot of money to begin with. Like, we were kids. And so it was like... (laughs) Yeah, we didn't have a whole lot to argue about, but it it was stressing my wife out because she is, as Dave Ramsey puts it, the saver, and I am the spender. Mm. Uh, there's the the free spirit and the the other person I can't remember. 
because I'm the free spirit. So, <laughs> so uh, we just recognize that, like, for me, sitting down, it's not that I would just go and, like, throw money out the window. Like, I didn't do that. I, I had a plan in my head. I knew where money was going, but I wasn't communicating those things. And on her end, she writes everything down. She checks the bank accounts regularly. She checks the credit cards. She knows all this stuff. I'm like, hey, if we got money coming in, we got money going out, it, it kind of evens out. And we're not not destitute. We'll be fine. And she could not live like that. She couldn't roll with it. And so we really found out. Uh, again, it wasn't that we just were poor and we didn't have money. It was just we had different ideas of how we were going to spend that money, how we were going to invest that money for our future, what our plans were, uh, and just even not communicating well about money. So so I definitely have experienced it, but it was interesting because that's not even the top of the list. No, the top of the list is lack of commitment or infidelity, so basically mm. somebody being cheated on. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. Well, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Um. So that was number one, extramarital affairs. And then the second was too much conflict and arguing. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. So lack of commitment was uh, agreed upon by 94%. 94%. Uh, infidelity, extramarital affairs was 88%. And then too much conflict, too much fighting, arguing was 72%. Uh, and. Obviously, there is overlap because they're asking the same couples all of these questions. But those are the things that they ranked the highest. Oh, lack of commitment. Yeah. Lack of commitment. Let's talk about lack of commitment for a second. Yeah. Can we break that down? Because someone could argue, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Somebody could argue, well, he's not committed to me because he doesn't spend every second of his day by my side doting on me. Lack of commitment. <laughs> I've heard that. That's why I say it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is a weird one. Not from one. me. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but how much commitment is too much commitment? How much commitment is not enough commitment, in your opinion? Yeah. So lack of commitment. Again, this comes back to those similarities. If you, are, if you have the same beliefs, the same values, then that's going to bleed into this, where um, – if, if in this instance, you have this one who's saying you're not doting on me, you're not like doing the things for me that I want, then there is a there is a breakdown before it's not really a lack of commitment necessarily, like from a one side, one monolithic view on this relationship. Uh, it's not necessarily a lack of commitment here. It's a lack of shared priorities, shared values. Um, if I think like, again, coming back to my wife and our family, if my values are the long-term, uh, security and success of my family, not necessarily the immediate happiness every single time, mm -hmm. like it's great when we have those things that we can just relax and have fun and go to a theme park or whatever. Those are fun. Those are awesome. But when we when it looks like I don't have commitment to you because you think this is what love means, mm -hmm. then I'm really, I really am committed, but I'm committed to our long-term future 
and you're just not valuing the same things. We don't have the same priorities here. So I think there's a lack of communication in that. I think there is a lack of shared priorities, or at least maybe if they sat down and had that conversation, they would both say, well, yeah, of course, we we both value the long-term success of the relationship. But it seems like in the moment, it seems like you're ignoring me. Uh, then that can be handled in a conversation. Uh, so lack of commitment, lack potential lack of shared priorities, um, lack of communication. So that's, I mean, that's one example of it. I think what I have seen a lot of is this idea, and I don't, I don't know. I haven't researched this a ton, so I don't know st- the statistics on it. But I have seen a lot of anecdotal personal relationships where one one person just comes to a place where they're like, you know what? I don't love you anymore. And that is something that I, it's it's crazy to me. Uh, I, one, I think it is a, a lack of understanding of what love really is. Um, if we think that love is the the emotional high that mm-hmm. we get, that surge of chemicals reacting in the brain, this is what love is. And then when that's gone, I guess I don't love you anymore. I just don't feel those feelings for you anymore. The thing is, our brains are very fickle. And we can manipulate our brains. Circumstances can change, uh, you know, the chemicals that are firing off. And so right now, oh, I I don't feel like I love you. Well, just do the things that you were doing before. Put in the work. And you can get feelings back. But the choice to do that Mm -hmm. is love. The choice to pursue the other person over my wants to put their needs ahead of my own, that is love. So when you say, I just don't love you anymore, what you're saying is, I'm choosing to put myself ahead of you. That's really what you're saying. You're saying, I'm choosing to be selfish. And there are reasons that people get there. They're, they're, you know, well, I just feel like I haven't been taken care of. I haven't been loved, uh, whatever. And so they, they build up their case in their head. But really what you're saying is that commitment that I made where I'm going to give 100% every day for the rest of my life, even if I never get anything back, that's what those fancy words mean. You're saying that doesn't really matter and I take it back. I'm not giving you 100%. If I get nothing back, I mean, we say till death do you do we part. S- richer or poorer, sickness and health, till death do we part. That means even if I'm fi- or if you're physically incapable, if you get in a car accident and you can never do anything for me again, then that that means that I still am committed to you. The promise that we make in marriage has nothing to do with what I'm getting. It's all about. What I am saying I'm going to give, and I'm saying I'm going to give you 100% for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So if you if you come to that place and you're like, well, I just don't love you anymore, so I'm leaving you, then you're just a liar. Whatever. <laughs> and we'll end the podcast here. 
<laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. So, goodness. So, lack of commitment. I, and that, I mean, I've seen it. So, that it is, it stinks. Yeah. Uh, infidelity, extramarital affairs, um, cheating. Obviously, that's going to cause divorce. Now, I think down here, though, is where stuff starts to get interesting. The, the reasons that are not cited very frequently, religious differences. Yeah. Um, and that could be, I've seen couples who, who do start out, especially in marriage, with the same religious beliefs, and then one shifts. Mm-hmm. And that creates a lot of yeah. tension. My goodness. Yeah, that would be very difficult. Um, and, and actually, even for my wife and I, we, we started Christian. We're still Christian. That hasn't changed. But uh, as you walk out your faith as an individual, you, you do grow. And in our case, it wasn't that, you know, I started getting crazy ideas or maybe, maybe it's this, maybe it's this. It was like, you know, just from studying and reading the word mm-hmm. more, reading the Bible more. Uh, you just learn things that you didn't know before. Uh, you learn about God. You learn about uh, what what it means to actually be part of this faith. And things just become more clearly defined. And there was a time where my wife and I, we were both pursuing the same thing as far as our faith goes, but not necessarily at the same speed. And there were some things that for me, I could pick up and grasp, and I was like, yeah, no, I totally believe that, and I could run with it. And those things, when she first heard them, was like, oh, this is, I don't know if I if I can understand that. I don't know if I can handle that. And so at one point, she told me, like, when we were discussing, and we would have, like, real serious talks about our, our faith, she was like, I feel like we're worshiping different gods. And I was like, well, we're not. We just, I was like, we're, we're both coming at it, reading the word and walking it out, walking it out. And, yeah. and as we continue to, the thing is, it was hard, but we pressed in instead of walking away. Mm-hmm. It would have been, it would have been in that moment easier to just say, well, I guess we're just two different people. Th- there's a lot of hard work to, go deeper and for us in that situation it just meant like we both just need to like study together and ask questions together and uh and just kind of evaluate things together and now like we that was a a small short season of our life and we're on the same page and we still are growing we're still asking more questions and we're still not in a doubting type of way, but in a way of like, we want to know God better. And so we want to keep learning, just constantly learning. And that means constantly changing and being open to changing. Like there are areas that I used to hold fairly strongly that I I don't necessarily hold them as strong. And then there are other areas where I am much more like concrete because I thought I'd had always been told to me in this way, like preached to me in this way. It, mm-hmm. This is what this means. But it wasn't uh, it wasn't necessarily what the Bible teaches. 
<laughs> so I mean that that's a different video for a different time. <laughs> uh, and I don't want people to freak out. It's nothing like, you know, it's all orthodox, so nothing weird, but <laughs> uh, never, never went off the rails. But that was, that was just one area where it did, it was difficult, but instead of allowing that to come between us, it actually ended up bringing us closer together uh, because it did add pressure, but that pressure was forcing us to, to really learn why we believe what we believe instead of just saying, oh, yeah, I believe it. And it's like, well, why? Yeah. So, yeah. We did have one question come in. Oh. Um, and that was, how do you fortify against infidelity? That's, yeah, that's... How do you fortify against infidelity? That was my response, too. Yeah. I don't think you can necessarily control the other person. Um, I mean, you can't control them. Mm -hmm. So besides, like, having open and honest communication and trusting them completely, I don't think there's a 100% way you can completely guard against someone cheating on you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's... You cannot force somebody to stay faithful in your relationship, and you can't love them enough to force them to stay faithful. Or I think some people go in the far other end where it's like, well, if I just did more, if I did things better, did all the things that they want, then they'll be faithful to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, The problem with infidelity is that it's a heart issue of the individual, and some people are really good at covering those issues up. That goes back to the me issues that we talked about earlier. That's something that's never going to be satisfied. You're never going to find somebody that can fill all the boxes and make you not want something else. Because as people, you said it before, we all mess up. We all, none of us are perfect. And so we can't fill every need, every want, every desire for another person. We can't fill that role. And so you're not going to be able to to do that for someone else, but you can for yourself. Like I I may not be able to control like what my wife does, but I can on the one hand do everything I can to make sure I'm living out my commitment that I am giving her 100%. Mm-hmm. Even when it's difficult, even when you know she's eight months pregnant and can't do anything for me uh, at all, then it's like I'm. I want to give a hundred percent, regardless, uh, because that's the promise that I made. So number one, focus on myself. Make sure that I am giving her one hundred percent, whether or not she is. If I am meeting her needs and we have healthy communication and. We are uh, continuing to to build our relationship forward together. Then we should be able to avoid a lot of those pitfalls. Now, another thing is going to be intentionally avoiding the situations that could lead to that. So, for instance, I don't text like have back and forth text messages with girls that aren't my wife where it's you know just casual friend hey how's it going like chit chat kind of things i just don't do that yeah i don't uh have certain apps on my phone like i just won't get those what do you mean uh well 
Snapchat for one. Okay. I don't put Snapchat on my phone, not because I think I'm going to use it improperly, but because there's no need for me to go there. The thing is, once I open the door a little bit, it's like, yeah, maybe I could handle myself on Snapchat. I'm not some weird, creepy pervert and going to go out looking for stuff. But I get on Snapchat and somebody sends me unsolicited stuff. Or as I'm just scrolling through, I see something that, that triggers a chemical reaction in my brain. And it happens on a day when we had an argument. Mm-hmm. That's a pitfall that... I'm walking into, and there's an old proverb that talks about uh, the wayward woman, uh, where uh, it's a dad telling his son, like, don't even walk down her street, because if you walk down her street, you know what's going to happen. And he lays it all out for him, and he says her her doorway is the doorway to death. So, I mean, he he's not messing around. He tells his son, Dramatic. like, straight up, don't do it. And... And I try and keep that in my mind is like it's not just about not going to her house, not not just accepting her friend request or uh, accepting those text exchanges. It's what are the steps before that step, before that step that would even put me in a place to to have that type of temptation or that type of um, interaction. And I just don't go there. Yeah. And then in the ones where I can't avoid it, where it's like for my job, sometimes I'm going into high schools and I'm teaching girls and guys. Uh, and in those situations, it's like I'm above board the whole time. I'm not hanging out after class talking to any of the girls. I am like, I'm out. See ya. Because I understand, like, we are talking about relationships. We are talking about love. And I do share experiences of my wife and I. like, And so it makes me come off to some people like in a really great light because they're like, wow, you really take care of your wife. You're such a good husband. And then their chemicals start going off and they're like, I wish I had a husband like you and I wish I had you. And so it's like, well, <laughs> nope, we're just – and I mean I've been doing this for long enough. I mean I laugh about it, but I'm sure yeah, it happens yeah. more than – I've been doing this for long enough that – those situations have come up. Uh, but thankfully, I've never been in any position to where I I don't have, like, accountability. There are people around me. There's, you know, other people that I'm working with. And I'm never alone in those situations. I do not give my contact information. I do not accept friend requests from these people. So it's I just stay completely out of it. And I'm never going to have to worry about somebody 10 years down the line you know, telling a, a story about me or, oh, no, nobody knows the real Jared. It's like, well, I never even had a Snapchat. So, you know, that's not on there. And I never texted anyone. I just, you know, stay away from those areas where it does get get a little gray. Uh, and the more that you can do that, the better off you're going to be. So it, it's not just about keeping my partner faithful to me but what are the things for me that are staying faithful to my wife so yeah that's good all right so let's I think wait can yeah. I add something because yeah. that goes for ladies too it's not just guys that have mm-hmm. this issue it's true shoddies do be tripping shoddies do be <laughs> tripping <laughs> thank you Jared so I think the same principles that you just laid out goes for ladies too. Ladies, if you're in a relationship, if you're married, don't be texting other, you know, single guys. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, 
within reason. If you have to text for work, go ahead and text them. But yeah, and but and in those situations, like difference. my wife, she knows any anybody. Like if I have to text Allie for work or whatever, she knows Allie, and I don't delete anything off of my well, phone. Well, and we're always talking about work. Yeah, yeah. I that's another thing. Like for me, you can literally go back on my text messages for years. Because I do not delete stuff, not because it's like, oh, I'm so, you know, or not because, strong like, or whatever. It's because I'm lazy and I just don't, why would I delete text messages? Because I want to go back and try and find, like, what did they say? What was that thing? And I go back and look at it. So that that helps me out a ton because anybody can go back, scroll through my phone, look mm-hmm. through my history, and we're square. Like, you know, I ain't got to worry about nothing. So that's another thing. An, an, an interesting difference here between guys and girls, as you're bringing up uh, women in the relationship, guys tend to seek out, when they're cheating, tend to seek out a sexual relationship Yeah. primarily. Like, that's the thing that gets them. And it starts a lot of times through, like, an offer or a perceived offer of, like, you can get here what you can't get at home. Now... The promise, the the lie there is the same for women, but it looks very different. It it usually does become sexual, but it doesn't start with sexual desire. I would say desire. it almost starts as emotional. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. It starts as this, uh, my husband is not valuing me. He doesn't uh, appreciate me. Uh, he doesn't, he's not romantic anymore. He doesn't think about me. And... So that's where they're typically coming from is that type of a thing. And then when, you know, Casanova dude comes up and he's like, oh, ho, ho. you know, what was Ricardo? What, what, what was he like, Jared? He said, ho, ho, ho. And <laughs> <laughs> Ricardo. Ricardo. He tries to pick her up in the Buick, you know, <laughs> that it's feeding a legitimate need mm-hmm. on both ends. Like sex is a legitimate need. Emotional uh, commitment is a legitimate need. But when you're lacking in those things, the only safe place that you can take that need is your spouse. And it really stinks. Like if they are if they are in a really unhealthy relationship where their spouse just refuses to to meet them in that need, then that is a time where you probably do need to go to counseling. You do need to get some outside parties to to help in that area but uh but by and large if i am taking my needs first and like my relational needs to my wife Mm -hmm. and she loves me and she hears me and she validates those needs then i'm not looking anywhere else and if i'm consistently doing that that's my habit that's my the way that i'm training my brain so but what about those that aren't married that are still in a committed relationship? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the same principle applies. Yeah. Um, you don't want to be cheated on when you're in a romantic relationship. No, no. And that's where establishing that foundation on the front end is so important. Build that foundation before you're dating. Because once you are dating, and you're in a long-term committed dating relationship, it's going to be very difficult Mm -hmm. to not give in on one end or withhold on the other end. And you're basically 
doing all of the the marriage things without the marriage commitment without that security that it provides and it just adds more stress stress more pressure to the relationship so in those stack a whole lot of time on the front end of the friendship really get to know the person like we said in december get to know them so well that before you start dating you already know this is somebody you would want to marry date them for a little bit marry them quick (laughs) (laughs) okay awesome all right so we're gonna we're gonna scoot on down we we have so many points that we have to scoot over and uh we're going to move into our, our last section because we want to talk about the after. Uh, we talked a little bit about the before. We talked about some of the during things like when you're in the relationship, these are things that you can handle. Uh, so now let's talk about the after, okay? Now, number one, uh, it kind of came up in this, this last point we just hit. There are going to be times when you need to get help when things are not working well in the relationship for whatever reason, whether you're in a dating relationship or a marriage relationship uh, or, or even a friendship. But there, you want to know that it's, one, okay to get help, that it, it doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean that yeah. uh, you anyone's looking down on you or anything. Well, there's some weird stigmas about mental health, but also like relational health. I think a lot of people... Because it is a private relationship, they don't want to let anybody else know what's going on. And so they're just dying from the inside out. And they go, they put on this show for everybody else, like, oh, we're this happy couple. And they're just falling apart on the inside. And those are the couples where, like, when you hear that they get a divorce, everyone's like, no, not them. Like, yeah. they, they brought the egg salad, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like... They, it's shocking to everyone because they they seemed like they had it all together. But all of us need help at different points, even in our relationships. It does not mean you're a failure if you seek help. And it doesn't mean you're weak either. If anything, it means you're strong yeah, for seeking help. You're, you're brave enough to actually put yourself out there to do the hard work. That's I mean, the difference here is somebody that is – you know, really, they get an injury, a sports injury. Some people never recover. And, you know, that's the end of their career. And then there are other people who they they work through it. They go through physical therapy, and it's strenuous, and it hurts. And they come back, and they're better than they were before. Mm-hmm. And And we see it in that aspect, and we see it in relationships. If you are willing to put in that work, if you now relationship is different because it's two people, if both of you are willing to put in that work, then you can recover and you can recover well and the relationship can be better than it was. But you have to be willing to seek the help and put in the work. Okay. So what about in cases of domestic violence or mm-hmm. abuse? Um, I would more encourage those people to, I think it's, beyond help get out yeah so again this is a situation that goes all the way back to the me issues and it's not the person that's being abused it's the me issues of the abuser this is where a lot of people in those relationships 
get it wrong because they think that they can do something to change the other person. And they see some like, yeah, I know they're, they're hurting and they're doing these things, but I don't want to walk out on them like everybody else did. And I'm saying that one from not personal experience of my relationships, but I grew up in an abusive home mm-hmm. and had two abusive stepdads that I saw beat my mom and beat me and my brothers and all that. So, so I saw these types of behaviors and those are their me issues that you are not going to be able to fix and you're not going to be able to get them well. Now, does that mean that you absolutely have to get a divorce? Not necessarily, but I highly recommend separation in those situations is you don't need to put yourself in danger. That's not going to help them. And that comes from like that that victim mentality, not a victim mentality, but uh, where you, you feel like you, there's no way out for you and you just have to stay there. You're stuck in the situation. There's a, an actual condition. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head right now. But, but that's very common in those relationships. They just feel trapped. Mm-hmm. And so they'll stay and stay and stay. And in their mind, they justify it. They know that it's not right. They know it's not healthy. It's not good. But they stay. And then really bad stuff happens. It doesn't get better. It gets worse. So for everyone, separation is very key, very important here. And if they choose to, like for some I have seen, it's a wake-up call. And they they have to go back and deal with those me issues, deal with the hard, deep stuff. And it can take years. But I have seen people that can work through those and then build a really strong, healthy relationship later. And even rebuild trust and and have a really good relationship. The sad thing is I have not seen very many. I haven't seen one. Yeah. It doesn't happen a whole lot. Uh, and a lot of times the, the people around can be enablers without realizing it, and they just support that cycle of abuse without realizing it. And so in the very least, separation is key. Okay. So... Way to take us on a dark path. <laughs> I'm a classic Debbie Downer. Uh, no. Well, I mean, I, I wrote the notes for this episode. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, the last thing, let's, let's jump to our, our takeaways, okay? Because I don't want that to be the takeaway. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so what are the things that we want uh, the audience, our listeners, to, to be able to reflect on uh, outside of what Nathan said um, Vegans and cannibals don't work together. What <laughs> what are some of the other things that they can actually take and apply from here? I I still love, um, and I, this is going back, but I, I think it's so important, the foundation of friendship building mm. on similarities and um, that it takes statistically 200 hours mm. of that friendship, face-to-face contact to build a healthy relationship. I, I think that's, we've been over it several times, yeah. but that still will be my takeaway every single time yeah. is how valuable, just because, you know, I manage our social media accounts and I see the younger generations just 
new new relationship, new dating relationship every single week, um, every couple of weeks. And just jumping into that dating relationship is just in the long run not good mm-hmm. and it's not healthy. And so having if you want a healthy relationship and if you want to be one of those two healthy people that it takes establish that the friend zone is not a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> establish that friendship first. Yeah. That's my takeaway. Yeah, no, and that's that was one of the things that I retroactively noticed about the way Laura and I built our relationship where, you know, I didn't have somebody come to my school and show me the boxes, but I just knew the way that I didn't want to build it. And so we're, we just intentionally started with friendship. Mm -hmm. And so I, now I'm able to look back and say, well, yeah, we did that. And it, it was kind of on accident. We weren't, we didn't know that's what you were supposed to do, but it's so cool because now I get to spend the rest of my life with my actual best friend. And it's like life is so much more fun than when I can have fun in my job and I can, you know, go off, even when I'm with my band and going out touring, well, you know, not for a year, but (laughs) uh, but when we were going out and doing shows and uh, I'd be gone for a little while, come back. It's so cool that of all the really fun, great things that I get to do in life, my favorite thing is coming back home to see her and to spend that time with her. And it's like, man, I love doing that other stuff, but I love spending time with you so much more because even today she's still my best friend. That's cool. So so that's, yeah, for me that's always going to be just the best. It's so cool. What was your biggest takeaway from today, though? My takeaway is uh, I got I to gotta side with Nathan on the cannibals, you know? I just, <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. <laughs> no, um, I think there were, there were a couple of those mic drop moments, uh, but really that commitment. Okay, what marriage is is a, a commitment. The number one cause for divorce is lack of commitment. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense because marriage is commitment. So you're saying the number one cause of failed marriage is a lack of marriage. If we understood the words we're saying, if we understood that promise, that wouldn't be it. That would not be number one. So we have to remember what this commitment is, what that promise was, what it really means, and then choose to walk it out every single day. So so that's really my good. takeaway. Mine was better, but that was good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're confident. <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, that is that is it for our podcast uh, for this month. So uh, we would love to hear more from you. Thank you for everybody that did jump on and uh, chat with us a little bit and interact with us in the uh, in Facebook and in YouTube. And we still want to hear more from you guys. Go back, watch the the monthly videos that we have, the weekly videos, and uh, you can interact there as well. But I highly encourage all of you to jump over to our website because you can find all of our material. We have uh, encouraging uh, relationship stuff that we post every single day, little pictures and quotes and statistics every day. Uh, We also have these videos. They're all located on our website. You also have ways of interacting, engaging with us. Uh, We are back on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Jared. 
uh, Jared asked cold hearted and Allie yeah. asked cold hearted. We have separate Instagrams. Yeah, I just I didn't I didn't like uh, sharing an Instagram because, because I I like to share my dumb pictures with with what I put on my Instagram. So Allie, she like she gets her hair done and you know takes nice pictures, and I do this, that's and that's true. like eighty five percent of my stuff, and it just didn't work well on the same account. So Jared asked cold hearted. Allie Ask Wholehearted, hit us up on Instagram uh, or at Ask Wholehearted on any of the other social media and uh, make sure that you are joining us next month. Mm -hmm. What are we talking about? We are talking about the five love languages. So that is gifts, quality time, acts of service, physical touch. um, And and what did you say? Uh, Words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. affirmation. Yeah. So each week we're going to be going through each one of those. We encourage you guys to take your five love languages test. I think if you just Google it. fivelovelanguages.com. Yeah. um, fivelovelanguages.com. You can take the test and uh, we're going to be covering a different love language every week. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Well, again, thank you guys so much for joining us tonight and we can't wait to see you again next month. And uh, cover the five love languages. So we will see you guys later. Bye.